Well, good afternoon, everyone. Uh, shall we all turn our Bibles to read Acts chapter 11, verse 18? Acts chapter 11, verse 18. When they heard these things, they fell silent, and they glorified God, saying, Then to the Gentiles also God has granted repentance that leads to life. Let me read that again. When they heard these things, they fell silent, and they glorified God, saying, Then to the Gentiles also God has granted repentance that leads to life. Studying and thinking through this verse over the past few days, God has revealed a lot of things uh, through this text, uh, which I would like to share with you this evening. Let me give you a brief context on what has been going on so far in the grand story of God. Before that, let's pray. Father God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our heart be acceptable in your sight for the glory of your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In the book of Acts, we see believers are led by the Holy Spirit to bear witness to the good news of Jesus Christ among both, among both Jews and Gentiles. And in doing this way, they are establishing His church. Here in these chapters, we see God is working through the apostles who are setting the stage for God, who is the sovereign ruler, the life giver, to redeem his people, whoever they are, irrespective of their identity, especially the Gentiles in this text. We see so far in the great grand story of God, this book presents the church as the fulfillment and extension of God's promise. We see in the context of this chapter that Jewish believers are criticizing Peter for having fellowship with the Gentiles. In verse 3 of the same chapter, we see that they say, you went to uncircumcised men and ate with them. Now why would they feel that? The reason why they felt the same is because of the law and culture that they have been following. Peter explains this in the previous chapter in verse 10, that it is unlawful for a Jew to associate with or to visit anyone of another nation. But God has shown Peter that he should not call any person common or unclean. And, and God has shown this uh, through the vision of clean and unclean animals. So when God sent Peter to go, he went without objection. And he reports back to the Gentiles, he reports back to the Jewish believers that Gentiles accepted the word of God and believed in Jesus. And he explains how God supernaturally brought him into the Gentile family so they could hear the gospel. And Peter recalls this in verse 15. When he spoke the word of God to them, the Holy Spirit fell on them just as on the apostles at the beginning. And Peter reasons that since God gave believers, believing Gentiles, the same Holy Spirit that he gave the apostles, he should accept the Gentiles as fellow believers. And Peter shared his testimony and defended his action by telling, retelling the events of the Gentile conversion with an emphasis on God's leading. When they heard Peter's testimony, they responded by being silent and they glorified God by saying, Then to the Gentiles also, God has granted repentance that leads to life. We see two main things in this verse. We see a response and a truth. A key takeaway from this verse, when we summarize the whole thing, we can say it in this way. The response was an astonishing or astounding realization of the truth that God's gift of salvation and dependence is for everyone, which gives eternal life. 
Let me read that again. The response was an astounding realization of the truth that God's gift of salvation and repentance is for everyone which gives eternal life. Let's un unpack the response part of the verse. It says, when they heard these things, they fell silent and they glorified God. Jewish believers fell silent in hearing Peter's testimony and report. Their response was an astounding realization. In that silence, they find their voice and give glory to God and conclude that then to the Gentiles also God has repented, or God has granted repentance that leads to life. How do we respond to the news of God working and changing a sinner's heart around us outside of our community? Now it's common to think why we would, uh, it's uncommon to think why we would respond differently. Isn't happiness and joy a common way to respond to good news? We have been hearing this last three weeks from Michael on the book of Jonah, and Jonah is a perfect example of how you can respond differently. We see in Jonah chapter 4 of how Jonah responded. He says, This is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish, for I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, and relenting from disaster. Look at Jonah's response. He was angry because God saved the Ninevites. Jonah was not happy that God extended grace to Ninevites. It's his self-centeredness that made him angry. Are we self-centered in nature? And do we believe that God's grace is only for certain people? Do we respond in anger to God's saving grace to our neighbors, our colleagues, a difficult boss, or a difficult person whom we have been wronged by? Or do we respond like the Jewish believers? We need to be reminded that God has created everyone in his own image. And his grace and mercy are available for everyone equally. It is hard to think of forgiveness for someone who is wicked. Some of us maybe don't think of salvation for these people. Our attitude toward the world and those who do not know God is very important. That is the main idea of the book of Jonah. It was a prophet's bad attitude towards the world that landed in the belly of the great fish. We see in Christ there is no discrimination of any kind. Whether it be racial, national, cultural or social. James reminds us in James chapter 2 verse 1 saying, My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. Brothers and sisters, we are to share no partiality as we are made in God's image. Well, Mahatma Gandhi was an Indian leader who led the successful campaign for India's independence from British rule. When he read the New Testament and had even seriously considered Christianity, but his conclusion was, I like the New Testament. I like your Christianity, but I do not like your Christians. We see his experience of Christians being self-centered and not living the word that they claim to believe. What a difference it makes when we look at others with attitudes that are selfless, welcoming and also loving. And Peter's story reminds us that God has designed us to be image bearers and to be together. The good news never changes. It's good to think what are our attitudes towards others. Are we self-centered? 
are we exclusive or are we selfless concerned about their souls hopeful and actively loving Peter reasons that since God gave believing Gentiles the same Holy Spirit that he gave the apostles, he should accept the Gentiles, Gentiles as fellow believers. We need to regularly consider Peter's report and its meaning and implication for us today. And one of the practical ways of thinking through the same is looking into our own lives of having a difficult relationship with a person, for example, a difficult employer. Some of us may relate to this. It can be stressful with various types of employers that we have. Some employers can be difficult to work with. We see the scripture reminds us to be faithful in our identity of who we are in Christ, in our workplace. In 2 Timothy chapter 6, we see, Let all who are under a yoke as bond servants regard their own masters as worthy of all honor, so that the name of God and teaching may not be revived. This does not mean that you have to suffer and you are suffering for the rest of your life. It's a decision that needs to be made with the wisdom and discernment that God has given you in that specific life situation that you are in. Now, how do we respond to this kind of situation? A starting place for all of us to respond to the situation would be praying for that individual. Brothers and sisters, God hears our prayers. The Lord is kind to answer prayers for our good opportunities and word to speak up during any situation that you are in. As Christians, we are called to live out our faith professionally and personally and love our colleagues as God's image bearers. It is very difficult to do this. Yeah. Brothers and sisters, God is glorified in our identity of who we are in Christ and how we respond. We see that in this world. God is glorified. Pray for God to change our hearts and soften it. Respond joyfully to the truth that everyone is God's image bearers and his good news is available for those, for anyone who believes in it. We should pray to God to help us not see ourselves as above. His love for everyone should overflow from our hearts and draw others to the Jesus who died for them as much as he died for us. The second part of the verse is the truth. And what was the truth that is mentioned here? We see in the verse, they glorified God saying, then to the Gentiles also, God has granted repentance that leads to life. How should this truth move us as Christians? One of the ways uh, that we can do as Christians is evangelism. Our hearts are to be moved in sharing the good news around us. This book of Acts shows us how the gospel is advancing through the apostles, not only in Jerusalem, but, only, but also in different parts of the city. We are called for the Great Commission just like Jesus left instruction to the apostles. He says in Matthew chapter 28, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the earth. We are called to teach of what Jesus has commanded us through the New Testament. We are called to go and make disciples and to evangelize the good news that God has given us. How do we evangelize the people around us? Our lives are filled with people who have not received God's good news. Like I mentioned before, 
we start with praying for that individual whom we think of sharing the good news. We should expect the Lord to answer our prayers and grant us opportunities to speak of Christ. So pray for boldness. God has put you where you are for a purpose. Another way we can think through this truth is fellowship and unity in the church. The church is the outpost of God's kingdom. The very fact that God's gift of repentance is available for everyone shows that we are all equal and we are called to be united and be in fellowship with one another. Being with one another glorifies God. In Ephesians we see God's purpose is to unite all things in Jesus. His kingdom reign is demonstrated now through the church. And one way the people of God showcase Christ's kingdom is by our unity. No matter who we are. Some truths that we can think of as, uh, think of uh, fellowship and unity are seen in our church community. Let me read that for you. We will walk together in brotherly love, exercising affectionate care and watchfulness over each other and faithfully warning, rebuking and admonishing one another when necessary. We will not neglect to regularly gather together or to pray for ourselves and others. We will earnestly work to bring up any who may be under our care in the training and instruction of the Lord and by a loving example and speaking of the gospel, seek the salvation of our family and friends. We will seek God's help to live carefully in the world, denying ungodliness and worldly passions, remembering that we bear the name of Christ and now have a special obligation to lead a new and holy life. When we gather every Sunday and even throughout our weeks, maybe not forget what we are called for. Even though we read this together, Think of how we are applying this to the individual who is sitting next to you. How do we exercise affectionate care? Do we seek the salvation of our family and friends in our lives together? Do we strive to lead a new and holy life by denying ungodliness and worldly passion? Do we neglect to pray for others who are hurting? It's easy for us to forget God's design of everyone in unity. We need to regularly consider this word and its meaning and implication for us today. God is glorified in fellowship and unity. This passage also reminds us that God has granted repentance that leads to life. What do we learn from here? It is God who has given the gift of repentance and faith. Our corporate reading today in the service was on repentance and faith. Let me read that for you. We believe that repentance and faith are sacred duties brought, brought about in our souls by the Holy Spirit in regeneration. Being deeply convinced of our guilt, danger and helplessness and of the way of salvation by Christ, we turn to God with sincere remorse, confession and a humble request for mercy. At the same time, we heartily receive the Lord Jesus Christ as our prophet priest and king and rely on him alone as the only and all-sufficient Savior. We see here saving faith in Christ and repentance are inseparable. It has belief and action that goes together. And what is our call? Our call is to repent and believe. That is, turn from sin and turn to God. And John 3.16 reminds us of the foundation of our faith in repentance. 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Thanks be to God that he rescues us from beginning to end. The Father, he gave us his only son who redeems us with his blood. And the Holy Spirit enables us to repent and believe in Jesus. And God also will bring us safely to that eternal city. Brothers and sisters, I urge you to put our trust in the finished work of Christ by turning from sin and turn to God. Let's pray. Our gracious Lord, we want to have hearts that are inclusive, selfless and loving. Help us to be open to your leading and not see ourselves as above those you want us to reach. May your love for everyone overflow from our hearts and draw others to the Savior who died for them as much as he died for us. May our response be an astounding realization of the truth that God's gift of salvation and repentance is for everyone which gives eternal life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.